Over the last seven years, I have tried every kind of marketing you can possibly imagine for my business. And I have determined over that time that direct mail has been by far the most profitable marketing channel I have ever tried. And I've spent over a million dollars just testing it out figuring out what works and figuring out what doesn't. And through that time, I've been able to generate over 100 deals per year in my business using direct mail. And now I've created a very small but very powerful mini course on how I utilize direct mail in my business. It explains everything I do from A to Z, and I've made this available to you absolutely free. That's right, no charge, no obligations, just go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail to find out how you can implement my system in your business and start generating more leads through direct mail. Go check it out. It's absolutely free. I can't wait for you to try it. I don't think it gets accounted for in a lot of people's investment analysis is what's my ROT? What's my return on my time? Mm. Yeah. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on the show today, guys. I'm happy to have you here. Like I always say, if you're a longtime listener, I love you. If you're a new listener, I like you. And I might love you someday, but you have to listen long-term. And by the way, I'll really love you if you go and subscribe to the show. It's very easy. It's a click of a button. Go do it. It'll take you a second. It'll make me so happy and help me so, so much. So thank you for that. Uh, I have a great guest today. His name is Neil Timmons. Uh, He was a banker back in 2004. And that same year, his mother debuted as a realtor. His mother, who was a stay-at-home mom for about 20 years, went and got her realtor's license, and she made twice as much him. And so Neil knew he needed to get into real estate. And uh, he was working for Remax and he was the top agent in Iowa at age 29 for Remax. And then he went in to the investing side as well. Uh, and he now owns a company that does wholesaling and rehabs, but his passion is cash flow investing in commercial real estate. So he's made that switch. Now he's still doing the single family stuff here and there, but focuses mainly on commercial. And over the course of his career, he's been involved in over $300 million in real estate transaction. He knows his stuff. He also has a podcast called Real Grit, where he pulls back the curtain on real estate investing through interviews with Titan uh, industry titans. And I was on his show. And so that makes me a titan, which makes me feel really good. So go check out Real Grit for sure. It's a great podcast, had a lot of fun on his show, and I was excited to have him on mine. So I give you without any further delay, Neil Timmons. All right, Neil. Thank you for being here, man. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate your time. Good to see you, Mike. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you. Th- no, thank you very much. It's it's a pleasure to see you again too. I was on your show Mike. recently, yes. and uh, and now you're on mine. So this is going to be fun. It's always easy and fun for me, at least. I don't know how you feel, but I like when I've met somebody already, had a uh, conversation, got to know them, and then I get to have an interview. It just uh, makes it so much more fun. It's like having a second beer, man. I know it, it does make it, it does make <laughs> it so much true. easier. Yeah, it's a good yeah. way of putting. It. I never thought of yeah. that. It's like having a second beer. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, listen, I know you a little bit, but the yeah. audience may not. Um, and so let's give them a, a little introduction. Let them know who you are. Give them some background, some context of who they're listening to before we get diving in. Nope. Sounds totally good. Well, Neil Timmons, I hail from the great state of Iowa. Not that many of us in this circle run with other people from Iowa. So it's always, <laughs> that's always fun one. 
Um, I, I cut my teeth in real estate brokerage. That's where I spent a whole bunch of time there and then morphed into investing, single family investing. And then you know, over the last couple of years, really morphed into the commercial side of things. So I always say, you know, I continue to graduate and, and, and level up, if you will. Got it. That makes sense. So when did you get started? How long ago are we talking? Have you been in this? 2000, 2004. 2004. Okay, so 18 so. years ago. Yep. Yeah. As a Got in as a realtor. My mom is a realtor about a year ahead of me. Uh, I encouraged her to get into the business. I was working for Wells Fargo at the time. She got in. I talked to her. She'd been there about a year. And uh, I said, you know, how's it going? She's giving me an update on the, the year end as it rounds out. And she made twice what I made when I was working at Wells Fargo. <laughs> this, is, this is my mom, a stay-at-home mom, literally for like almost 20 years. I've got okay. three younger brothers. And so her first entry point back into the workforce was that as a realtor. And I thought, man... If mom can do that, if she can do that, I can do better. So that's how I, that's literally how my entry point into, into real estate. Well, thinking back to 2004, that was not a shabby time to be a realtor. That was a pretty, uh, no. pretty good time. Pretty good yes, time. Correct. Yeah, Did, but you don't, yeah, you, yeah, you're absolutely right. But when you enter into it, you have you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. How, did, right. did mom stay involved long-term or was it a shorter-term deal? Yeah, no, from her standpoint, so we both ended up working for the same same big old company here in town, different offices. So we okay. had diff- totally different businesses. Everything was removed. That's just how I got in. And she just retired here at the end of last year. Oh, wow. Of last year. Okay. Yeah. All right. So she went through the whole old nine, uh, 10 yeah. debacle and everything. Okay, great, great, great. Um, so how did your journey continue? So you're not, you're not just a realtor anymore. Obviously yeah, you're doing a lot of yeah. stuff. Right. What made, and it's interesting because I just spoke to a group uh, of realtors uh, mm-hmm. who specifically want to get into real estate investing and just don't know how. And yeah. so I know that even though you're in the real estate world, I, I kind of, I, I kind of liken it to like, uh, you know, uh, a dentist and an eye doctor. It's like they're they're both in the healthcare sure. industry, but they're different, right? How did you make that leap? Why did you make the leap? What what attracted you to investing? The investing side. Yeah. No, great question. So uh, I had a really good, uh, you know, tremendous career there. A really good run. By the time I was twenty nine, I became the number one Remax agent in the state of Iowa. Okay, and so. Candidly, I was making some pretty good money and I got to a point where I was like, all right, what do I do? Right? Yeah. Stock market to me is uh is a little bit scary. Feels so you feel so removed from your input to the outcome that, you know, eventually got to a point where it's going, let's, let's buy, let's, let's pick up a rental. I had fixed a handful of homes, fixed and flipped a handful of homes over a period of time. So I I conceptual, I mean, I knew how to do that, knew how to execute on it, knew how to knew how to to make some money there. And I would just pick them up as as I would stumble into a deal out literally mm-hmm. out in the, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 era. I just show clients stuff and I'm like, they didn't want it. And I'll just buy that one. Okay. And so it wasn't, I just picked stuff up on occasion. And then finally I got to a point where I was like, let's pick up a rental. And so that's what I did. Okay. Picked up a rental property. It went well. So decided to pick up a little more and go down the down the rabbit hole, if you will. Got it. So tell me this. And this is, I'm just kind of, uh, it's just real fresh in my mind. So it's kind yeah. of easy question for me to ask you some of these things that I hear uh, realtors saying, and I know a lot of realtors listen to this, this show, so it's going to be interesting and good for them. When you're going in, when you went into a, an appointment, let's just say it was a listing appointment, yeah. and you knew you had this this realtor hat that you could put on, yeah. how did you broach that? I assume at some point, 
you weren't just showing it to all your buyers and then saying, I'll take it if they don't want it. My guess is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you would go into maybe a listing age, a listing um, appointment, and already know in your head, this could work for me. I might want to switch gears here and actually just become the investor and buy it. How did you handle those conversations? Yeah, great question. Uh, it never occurred because when I go oh. into a listing appointment, I have a fiduciary hat on. I, I'm there okay. as a fiduciary for the seller and, and you know, that's how we engage in a conversation. That's the hat I'd wear. So when I say I'd pick up deals, it would literally be in the process of showing buyers uh, properties mm-hmm. that are listed for sale in the open market. And if they passed on it, that's where I would buy it. And you know, in the, you remember the 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, I mean, those are like, they're everywhere. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it wasn't, the stuff wasn't hard to get and, but, and buyers, you know, they may have an appetite for one thing, not another. Yeah. I, so that's okay. I, I think yeah. I started in 08, which was interesting. And so okay. I yeah. think, I think on some level, I thought I, it was just easy to get deep. Like, you know, it was yeah, shooting right. fish in a barrel, right? I was Correct. like, I am yeah. so good at this. Right. And then as the years go on, you realize this can be a little harder. So, okay. Yeah. You never went into a listing appointment and yeah, then put right. on the the investor. I get that. Did you ever go into an appointment as an investor where you knew this house was just, it was not going to be listable. You get in sure. there and, and then yeah. realize, oh, maybe this is listable. Actually, I might be able to sure. be a, a realtor on this one. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Great question. And so th- that would come from our, our marketing, direct marketing, direct to seller marketing. Mm-hmm. And the you know the lead in there is I'm I'm here to buy your house, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I always tell everybody, hey, you know, I'm, although I'm a realtor, I'm not your realtor. I'm literally here to buy your house. Yeah. I have no interest in, in listing the property. On occasion, um, yes. I mean, you get to a point where like, I just can't make the numbers work as an investor. And you provide some guidance. Hey, and I just be that candid. Hey, I can't. You know, for for what I do on the investment side, it doesn't work for what your goals are. Yeah. And so here's what your alternatives look like. You know, okay. I can do it or you can go down a different avenue. Okay. So one, you got your realtor's license, you start mm-hmm. you did that. And then yeah. if I heard you right, uh you you maybe bought some to flip and then moved into yeah. buy and hold. Is that, yeah, is that how it went? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So how long did you flip properties for? Mm, we still flip today. So okay. at this at this point, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess 2010 ish, somewhere in that era. 2000, um, maybe 2008. 2008 to 2010 was probably my first month. Okay, where you start picking up rentals? Great. Yeah. What where is I that? Start, no, where I started picking up fix and flip. I didn't oh, pick up I'm my sorry. first. I didn't okay. pick up my first rental property until about six years ago. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I understand now. I understand. Yeah. So you yeah. you did fix and flip for a while yeah. On, yeah. Uh, yeah. without yep. buying your rentals. What yep. made you buy rentals? Why not just stay fix and flip, build that empire? Well, there's no, in my mind, even to this point, and I'll morph it even, I'll tack it on on, on, on single families. It's, it's, a, it's a J-O-B. There's mm-hmm. no way around it. I mean, you are, you just have a different kind of, you know, being a realtor is a job. Yep. Um, being a being a fix and flipper in my mind, it's a job. It's a better job, pays better, and I don't have to. You know, you don't have to be schlepping people around at eight p.m. at night showing them houses. Yeah. Uh, but it's still a job at the end of the day. Yeah. And so that's what leads you down a wealth building path of acquiring assets. Now, my guess is Iowa, where where you live in Iowa, there's yeah. a, there's a good flip and rental market. Like you you actually have good rental opportunities at the price point where you are or were buying them. So yep, that makes yep, sense. A number of them. Yep, Michigan, yep. very similar. Michigan has a really strong flip and Correct. rental market. We can do really well either way. Okay. Yeah. So you did that. It started six years ago buying the rentals. What does that yeah. look like now? What does your portfolio look like? Like, what are you trying to do with that? Are you trying to just build this massive rental portfolio? Do you have a, a goal that's something other than that? 
Yep. Nope. So we morphed about three and a half years ago, maybe almost four years ago. I bought my first commercial property and, and, you know, you get a little, for me, you get a taste of that. I'm like, wow, this is so much easier. It's, <laughs> really? It's, okay. You think it's easier. Okay. Uh, uh, yes. The cash flow is easier. The, the, the management of these things in many cases is easy, depending on the asset class is easier. Um, the ability to, you know, it, you know, if you got, Make up a number. If you got to, you know, you want to employ a million bucks, you got to go buy a whole bunch of single families to employ a million bucks. But mm-hmm. if you want to employ it in commercial, it's so much more efficient and just simpler. And so you get a return. You know, one thing that I don't think it gets accounted for in a lot of people's investment analysis is what's my ROT? What's my return on my time? Mm, yeah. On the single family side, for us, it's become, uh, we've got two sections of our portfolio, really a solid B portfolio on the um, single family side and uh, apartment side, and then a solid C portfolio. The return on time in a solid C portfolio is extraordinarily challenging. And, and today we're managing a manager. We've had a lot of bumps and bruises mm. managing a manager, going through multiple management companies, yeah. one disaster after another. And so as I look into Q1 of next year, we'll have about 75 to 85% of our portfolio in there will have been liquidated. Okay. Yeah. I, we're, I had we're, a- we're all in dollars up. Yeah, I had a bunch of C uh, properties that I had as long-term buy and holds that I I just liquidated all of them actually the last two years. So I get that. Um, so the 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 commercial size easier. When you say commercial, what are you what are you speaking about specifically? Is it apartment yeah. buildings? Is it something else? No. Well, I'm asked a class agnostic. I'm looking for I'm looking <laughs> for good deals and getting my head wrapped around it. So my comfort level has been. Uh, I operate in a tertiary market in Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like you're going to go out and build, you know, 10,000 apartment units or build a portfolio thereof. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's been building it through relationships and having an understanding of what is transpiring in the market and getting comfortable with multiple asset classes. So we own, we own apartments, yes. Um, self-storage units. In fact, I just bought one outside of my market with a partner. I do invest in some partner-led deals outside of a market. Industrial buildings, offices, medical offices, mm. um, and industrial, but industrial has been, um, you know, it, it's been a very good asset class over the last handful of years. Okay. has Did COVID affect that at all? I, I, I just, my feeling was, I'm not a big commercial guy, but mm-hmm. with COVID and people kind of having some issues and I mean, was that, were there issues in the, in the commercial side and maybe not apartments, but in some of the other stuff? No, we haven't seen it. You know, the okay. well, yeah, commercial wide, yes. In our portfolio, no. So commercial wide okay. office obviously has been a, has been a problem, Yeah, but I'm kind of on the other side of this. Now we just acquired the building I'm in right now as an office. We just acquired about four or five months ago. If you can buy it right and you know get it, get it stabilized or buy it stabilized. Um, and I think it's looking out three, four, five years, the pendulum will swing back to something a little more uniform, a little more level yeah. than where we happen to be right now. Okay. So, but yes, no doubt, office has been the one that's most dramatically impacted as a result of COVID. Got it. Talk to me about some of the differences that you encountered going from single family to commercial. Maybe not. I, I, I wanted to say what surprised you. I don't know that you were surprised, but what were some of the things that you had to adjust for, or you had a skill or, or something you had to get better at to, to be good in that arena? Yeah, great question. Broker involvement is a, is a component mm. uh, because, you know, on the, on the single family side, there's just so many, right? And we can go direct yeah. and, you know, 99 plus percent are bought, seller direct. On the, on the brokerage side, 
uh, roughly half our deals are bought through a broker. Okay. So half are still seller direct. Okay. So that's a piece just to be cognizant of, and then you're going to have to develop a strategy surrounding that. Okay. So the half of them are going through the broker. Two questions. Yep. Number one, yep. how do you approach a broker as someone who's new to commercial and have them take mm-hmm. you seriously and actually start yep. that relationship? What's what best practices there? That That's the first yeah. question. Then I got another one, but yeah, I get an introduction. So how do you, how do you get an introduction? Going cold is not going to get you anywhere, but how do you get an introduction and then introduction and be positioned correctly? So for, you know, it's, you know, a conversation could just be this simple. Hey, I'm, I've been in the single family side for a lot of years, done a whole bunch of things, have a portfolio. I'm looking to, to level up. I'm looking to morph some of my dollars and cents into the commercial side. And you seem like a person who specializes in X. I want to learn about X. Can we just connect? Can we have lunch? Can I buy a lunch? Can you know, work that from a referral standpoint? And that should be able to get enough to get you a conversation. Yep. And then it's about relationship building. Okay. All right. So, so that's that. That's half of them. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and that's good for people to know that this isn't just all direct to owner or direct to seller, Correct. but, but only half of them are broker. Where do you get the yep. other half? Are you going direct? Are you marketing yep. to these folks yep. or how you, yep. how you find Absolutely. them? Absolutely. Okay. Direct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I love, that's the part of, I love the most because it, it comes right off of anybody who's been in the single family side yeah. who's going direct is, all right, how do, how do we get a list? And that piece is different. How do we analyze these people? How do I decide what asset class I want to be in? So I'm telling you, Mike, that I, I own multiple asset classes. It didn't start there. We need to get a little more focus. So if you're like, I want, I want to get one, it's all right, let's decide on what asset class to be able to go after because you know, the man who chases two rabbits catches none. Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. So well, was the, yep. are the methods, okay, you said pulling a list is different. Let's start there. How, what is different about it? Can you just well, go to list source and find it or how do you, you can find go to it? list? Yeah. Yes. You can go to list source. There's a bunch of other methodology. Yes. And then you can get some more expensive options past that, that are, that are really good. But to start, start with list source. That's great. Um, you're good there. Okay. There's just a bunch of other things that us on the single family side, you know, would use that you're not going to use the exact same resource. Gotcha. Yep. Um, okay. So the next question is when you're starting off and I'll just use you, we can talk about you yeah. and then maybe you, yeah. you can talk, if you would do it differently, you can tell what you would suggest to folks. And I've heard a lot of different theories on this. So I'm curious to hear your side of it. When you're starting off in multifamily, is it best to start with smaller, maybe less than 20 units or less than 50 units or, and let me just, this is going to be kind of a long question, but I really kind of yeah. want you to think about um, this. So do you suggest people start small, maybe like 10, 20 units, or I've heard people say it's just as much work to, work to buy a hundred units or 150. Where do you stand on that? Where, where should people start? Yep. No, great question. The question uh, I would bring it back to how, how are you going to finance the deal? So for example, you know, you may be able to self fund a 20 unit, but not a hundred. And if that's important to you, I'd be encouraging you to go go down that path. Whatever your comfort level is, just know at 100, you're most likely you're going out and raising capital. Yeah. And that is a different, now you got something else that you got to go tackle, not yeah. just how do I do a big house, meaning 20 units in one place becomes, you know, it, they're fairly easy to manage. That's, that's a benefit of, of that. You can put management in place in these things. Even so, where does the management putting management in place? Is mm-hmm. there a size? Is there a, a size of the of the property that it becomes um, that it makes sense? And then a size where it really doesn't make sense to, to hire management? Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, okay. I don't want. We don't want to manage any of these things now. Yeah. Whether you have somebody who lives there is a whole other story. But uh, no, 
we're going to, we're, we're going to outsource all these things. Otherwise you're signing up for another job. And not yeah. only is it a job, it's a terrible job. I mean, it's, it's, it's like <laughs> the agree. worst, right? I agree. Yeah. Now, if you, on the account, uh, go to the other side of this industrial office, retail, which we've got in the portfolio as well. Um, these become, you know, triple net leases. It's largely accounting. We're facilitating some things in some cases, you know, the snow and the mo, just contracting that stuff out. And that's like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So from management in that world, there's, uh, there's very little to do. Versus, you know, the other end extreme is, is apartments, very involved. Gotcha. How did you start? What was the first multifamily property you bought? About an eight plex that was hmm. just leveled from rain. It had it had taken on something like seven or eight or nine inches of rain in like a 90 minute period. Just crazy. Wow. Unheard of. And a, a garden uh, apartment. So four up, four down. The down ones are about half below grade. And so they all took water. Wow. And so overnight, 50% of the people moved out. Wow. And so the gen- the gentleman had owned it for like 30 some odd years, hadn't been touched in like a decade. Outside of a roof, hadn't been touched. I mean, nothing had been done in this place. Okay. And, he, and he was in his 70s and yeah. finally to the point where he was going, I mean, he got one of my mailers, picked up the phone, called me very late on a Friday night. And, you know, that thing was done and sold inside of 45 days. We'd closed. Wow. And he then do you still have it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That thing is a, that thing's a beauty. Yes. Went in, totally re- remodeled it inside of about 75 days. I ended up, most people wouldn't do this. I ended up kicking everybody out. Uh, there's actually one person who that stayed. So uh, four in the basement were, um, you know, obviously empty and there were four up top full. I kicked three of the four out upstairs. Um, the, the average tenancy upstairs was 12 years. Wow. These people were paying way under market rate. So I'll bet. Gave him the boot, went in, remodeled the whole entire building, and then immediately brought brought everything up, filled it to filled it to filled it up, refinanced it a cash out refi, ended up with no money in the deal. And the thing cash flows. I mean, it's just it's like clockwork. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay. So I, like I mentioned before, I was on your podcast, Real Grit. Yeah, I great. know what it takes to to put on a podcast. I understand the commitment and the time. Why do that? You you talked about ROT, right? Return on time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so why why start that's a podcast? A great, that's a great question. <laughs> no, you know one of the things that I do on the on our commercial side is show people how do you how do you ever make the transition. And so we talk about real great. You know, it does it does two things for me. Allow me to connect with a whole bunch of people, expand my network, people like mm-hmm. you, uh, which I get I get pure pleasure in because I always learn something, and then expand who I get to connect with, just in terms of other investors. So not just people on the show, but those who would plug in, listen, um, and, and ultimately somehow connect with. Yeah, you know, I show people outside the podcast, I show people, how do you, how do you make a transition? How do you invest in this in commercial? Uh, Cause for me, it becomes a far forever pile of cash. We still fix and flip flicks and flip for us is a, is a bread and butter, hmm. but those, you know, I don't live out these dollars. These dollars for me roll up and they get employed in the, in the commercial side of things. Yeah. Uh, the intent mentally is I no longer want to work for dollars. I want to work for assets and get those assets to work for me. Yeah. To work for the dollars, right? Yeah. And live off that. Love it. Love it. So, okay. Last question. I want to talk, this could be a really long one, obviously, but we'll, we'll keep it fairly brief. I know that return on time is important to you. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. agree more. And, and I, you know, I hate to say it, but when I was in my twenties, time was meaningless and valueless Correct. to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not in my 20s anymore. And time is very precious. I, I, I definitely cherish it above everything, including money, right? Time yeah. with my family and time with loved ones. Yeah. 
So talk to me about, you're doing a lot, right? And I know that you are someone who's very interested and dialed in with systems and processes. How do you manage all of this at a high level, right? 10,000 foot view. How do you handle all of this uh, and not just make it a J-O-B? How do you not make it a job? Yeah. Oh, good question. Well, one delegate. So, so building the, building the right team, the right, the right folks. So that, you know, that becomes a a significant backbone, having the ability to delegate and thankfully, you know, I, I fought, I was really good at most tasks, you know, being the acquisition guy was like the last thing I gave up or even gave up partially. And that was a tough one for me, Mm. just a mental barrier. Yep. that ultimately hold yourself back even when i you know, even when i'd sit in the role and i knew that i'd still be like yeah i know that but i'm still not giving it up yeah terrible yeah. that took a long time for me um that and then just you know give people the space i always say <laughs> we give uh, everybody works for me i give them tons of rope and either you're going to build a rope rider or you're going to hang yourself so <laughs> this this place becomes for us those who are end up here, I mean, they love it here. Mm-hmm. And those who it's not a fit for, they are gone like really quick. Like, yeah, yeah, I love that. I've never heard that. Give them a lot of rope. They either build a, lo- a rope ladder or they hang themselves. That's 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 great. I'm the same way. I bring people in. I am not a micromanager. I, I no. just I, I don't I don't have the capacity and I don't want to do that. I no. want them to do it right and grow and Correct. feel like yeah for sure yes yeah sure. and 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 again you know take it that a step further just to add some more color to it. They either, you know, they they jump in and they take ownership of what it is, right? That's what I yeah. mean by rope ladder. Yep. Uh, and and they're totally accountable. They want that space and you know, the they hang themselves that they just they don't they want to hide. Yeah. They want a job, you know. My, I got a friend who just calls it just trying not to get fired. That's what <laughs> you know, they go get one of these jobs and just try to not get fired. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know. I work in corporate. I've seen so many people just try not to get fired. It's, right. it's just really sad. Sometimes they work harder. To not work, then it would be just to do the work, but that's a whole other story. Well, listen, guys, the podcast is called Real Grit. You need to go check it out. I was on it. It's fantastic. I listened to a lot of episodes before I was on. I wanted to kind of know what I was getting into. Uh, Could not recommend it more highly. Neil, you're obviously uh, an expert, and uh, there's a lot to be learned here. And uh, I love it because I am not in the commercial side, and that's something that I want to move into here in the short term. So uh, I'm going to be a listener for sure. So you guys, go check it out, Neil. I really appreciate your time, man. I really do. No, absolutely. It's been a pleasure to be on here, Mike. Now to, to give you something and give your audience something, if I may. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. For those who want to learn more about how do you get into commercial and what it's all about, you know, I call it the 20X niche because the returns are oftentimes 20 times higher, meaning for one property, it can take 20 houses. So we get a lot yeah. of ROT there. So I, I wrote a little uh, PDF report, so share some information on it. So if you guys want to grab that, you can get it on my website, which is Legacy impactpartners.com forward slash gift g-i-f-t legacyimpactpartners.com forward slash gift got it we will have that in the show notes guys you can go check it out there if you're not able to write that down and you can't remember it uh go and grab that i'll be grabbing it myself thanks neil i appreciate your time man it's been a pleasure it was a lot of fun being on your show and and, uh it was great having you on mine so thanks again thanks so much all right bye-bye All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Neil's a smart guy and uh, going from single family to commercial is something I hear a lot of people doing and I wasn't kidding. Commercial is something I want to get into in the near future and I will be reaching out to Neil and picking his brain and seeing if he can help me. He is the guy. So if you want to figure out more of what can be done inside the commercial side and you want to figure out how to do that, you should go and check out his website, uh, Legacy Impact 
www.ebaypartners.com forward slash gift. Go and grab that. I think it would be a smart thing to do. I'm going to go get it right now. Okay, guys, get out there and make it happen. We'll see you next time.